Good afternoon. You know, as we sang the songs, when it gets back down to the bare essentials, why we are here, it's because we want to exalt our God and to express our desire to be like Him. That is the point of it all, isn't it? God wanted to create a people for Himself that was in His own image, and we fell short of that. And Jesus died so that we could be like Him, that our sins could be forgiven. And I'm sure that, like me, you recognize just how far short you come of the image that He has set before us that we ought to be like. And uh, experienced a lesson this afternoon is something that I realized that I need to work on myself um, as I was driving home. And and uh, my wife had to talk some sense into me when I was expressing some road rage, urging us if I had a gun. And she's like, John, you know, she just helping me remember what kind of people we ought to be. You know, a lot of us and all of us um, realize how far fall short, how far we are from the goal. And um, so this lesson is hopefully something if you can identify with it. I'm sure all of us uh, become impatient at times. But if it's something that you fall short of and you recognize you struggle with it, then hopefully some of these things can help you remind you like they remind me. Some of the examples that I'm sure you can recognize is perhaps you're at Walmart or you're some other grocery store. Maybe you're in a time crunch and you got to get home quickly. And you're irritated because you're waiting at the checkout line. They only have one register open. There's a ton of people, and look at that cart full of items. And plus, they got coupons and a checkbook. And you only have one thing in your hand. And you're frustrated. They don't have enough checkers. Where are all the checkers? Maybe you feel that way when you're at Chick-fil-A sometimes, and you're waiting in line. You ever been in traffic, and you need to get somewhere? And one lane seems slower than the other. And, and, and you can't get over because no one will let you in line. Or maybe you do switch over, and then that line seems to slow to a crawl, and the other one starts zipping along. And maybe there's that one driver who's going 30 miles per hour in a 60-mile-hour in a zone. And you just you got to get home. You can feel yourself so frustrated. You can feel your heart racing with that frustration. Maybe something has happened in your life in a way that is frustrating to you and drives you to the edge and you don't know what to do about it. There have been people who have have, uh, gone overseas and they've lost a leg or a limb. Maybe they had an accident here. Or something in their life, now to the point to where they feel that they're incapable of living the way they they used to and they're so frustrated to not be able to, to do and to live as they used to. And now everything is difficult or painful. If that's the case, then we're well acquainted with frustration, aren't we? With impatient uh, behavior. I think all of us sometimes, and especially in our country where everything is just instant gratification. Everything, we're, we're, we're used to it, right? 30 seconds is too long to wait for hot food sometimes, even in microwave. Or even three minutes is too long. I don't want to wait. We're used to having things our way 
now. And when we can't have it, it frustrates us. Impatience. Let's look at how it's defined. Uh, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, defined as not patient, restless, or short of temper, especially under irritation, delay, or opposition. Another definition that uh, would be eagerly desirous, anxious. I think we can identify with what it feels to be impatient. Where, where you know, you feel your temper is really short. You're someone's wanting to talk to you, and you're trying to do something else, and you're like, okay, mm, mm, all right, I gotta go. You ever feel like that? You ever, you ever said things because you were feeling that that you later wish you could take back? Maybe you're anxious about something happening in your life. You're impatient. Perhaps you are looking for that special someone to marry or to have in your life, and you are, you're anxious. What if it never happens? What if I never find that someone? And you, you feel that impatience about thinking of finding that something that you make, think will make your life fulfilled. Maybe you're waiting on God to do something. It doesn't seem like it's just happening. When we're impatient, we are feeling or showing hostility toward or at least about things that, that are obstructing our goals, frustrating them or delaying them. I think you all know what I'm talking about. And it's related, I think, to the emotion of anger that we have because our goals are being endangered. Uh, we become enraged, right, in response to outside threats to our well-being or to the well-being of those we care about. And likewise, I think that, that anger is just a, a, an expression of the fear that we feel, the fear that becomes from being threatened, mistreated, invaded. And the purpose of having the anger is we want to deter whatever threat that is from going any further. I'm afraid that someone is going to ruin something or to harm something, and I get mad about it. I want it to stop immediately. Impatience is different from anger in that the impatient person tends to view everything as virtually a threat. Um, all situations are threatening, not to their survival, but to their goals. For example, trying to get home, I, I feel threatened that people are slowing me down, that I'm going to somehow miss out on something, or I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Uh, signs that someone is patient, you may have noticed it in yourself or in others, that jaw is clenched, the, the teeth are being grounded, you know, you know, this person is making me angry. I can't get, do what I want to do. Maybe people swearing at the slightest frustration. You ever see people road raging? It shouldn't be a big deal. You're all going to get home. It might be just a 30-second difference. But that few-second difference will make people just go off the edge. I've heard uh, police say, why are you speeding? You're not going to get there any faster except maybe 30 seconds. What are you accomplishing? You're endangering yourself and others. But it's that impatient attitude we have, isn't it? People who are impatient fear they're missing out on something. So they act on that, that anger. They act on that fear. And we need to know that impatience at, at its root is a form of unbelief. You look at Genesis chapter 16, and you look at the situation where Abraham and Sarah are waiting for God's promise 
of children. God has promised them children. They are getting older. They are starting to wonder. Sarah is really worrying, and Abraham, I'm sure. And so, you know what? I'm going to help God keep his promise. Here is my maidservant. Go into her so that the promise may be fulfilled. She was impatient for God to fulfill his promise. She took matters into her own hands and looked the result of that unbelief. You look at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Look at verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine, and make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will be, to, will be your shame, and a shelter in the shadow of Egypt, your humiliation. For their princes are at Zoan, their ambassadors arrive at Hanes. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for shame and also for reproach. You look at Judah. They've been waiting for God to help them, for God to deliver them. But rather wait for God to fulfill his promise. They saw it from Egypt. They sought their help from from a a people who were ungodly. God saw this as a lack of faith in him, and he was displeased. You look at our reading at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 5 through 14, and you look at the situation, and I don't know about you, but I feel for Saul. Can you not put yourself in his position? You, uh, you, you have an army and you're surrounded by what le- looks like an insurmountable foe. They're, they're covering the landscape. How can I possibly beat this without God's blessing? And you're waiting for a prophet who said he'd be there at a certain day. And also on that day, and where is he? Nowhere to be seen. And if I don't have God's blessing, of course, I don't expect victory. And look, I got all my, got my people starting to desert. And once you start having a few, a whole bunch more are going to flee. The situation is looking pretty desperate. I can't wait for him anymore. I got to go ahead and take matters in my own hands. And that's what he did. And yet, did God excuse him for that? He did not. This is a lack of faith in God with his impatient attitude, caused him to make a decision that was rash and ill-fated. Impatience is something that is not just something that is something we we chuckle at, but it it could be a serious and deadly uh, symptom. You look at some of the consequences of impatience. First of all, you can make bad Choices and mistakes. So look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. It says, Also it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. He who makes haste with his feet errs. We know this to be true. Jump into a situation, make a rash uh, judgment, make a bad choice. 
Proverbs 18, verse 13 also says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Ever catch the tail end of a conversation and you assume what you know what's going on, only to turn out it's completely different, and you start spewing out words and making snap judgments, and you were completely wrong about it? Or seeing a situation and instantly thinking you know what's going on? I know I have. You know, Sarah made the mistake giving Hagar to her husband to help God fulfill his promise. You look at Judah making a bad choice putting their trust in Egypt rather than God and his promises. You look at Saul trusting himself to try to please God with his sacrifices. How many bad choices based on jumping to conclusions have we made because we were too impatient to get all the facts? How many relationships are broken or damaged because our impatience or our irritation with people causes us to jump to conclusions and make snap decisions? How many times does impatience cause someone to drive recklessly and cause an accident? We make a lot of bad decisions. I know I've made a lot of bad decisions because I was too impatient to know the situation or to think about what would be the best decision. But also, impatience can lead to outbursts of wrath, outbursts of strife. When we manifest that impatience, it tends towards sinful wrath. James chapter 1, verse 20 warns against that. tells us that the, the wrath of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter how impatient I am. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. These emotions of frustration and irritation and anger can raise our stress level. They can harm our health. It can lead to violence. I mean, you've heard news stories where people are violent, physically violent to one another because of small things. But also, impatience can lead to financial woes. You consider newlywed couples who want all the nice things that have taken older couples years to accumulate, but they want it now. And it leads to a lot of credit card bills they have no hope to pay off. In the same vein, can damage our ability to communicate. When we don't have the patience to engage in meaningful conversation, we can say things without speaking. You ever have conversations where you're talking to someone, instead of really listening to them, you're just waiting for them to stop so you can say what you want to say? I know I have. Guilty. We can get annoyed when other people speak. A person doesn't have the patience to wait for others to get to the point of what they're trying to say, so they may be trying to rush them into finishing their sentences by trying to put words in their mouth or find some other way to hurry up the conversation. So what you're saying is, guilty. This can re result in relationships being damaged, friendships being lost. One of the the killers of marriages sometimes is the lack of willingness to sit down and just listen and to talk. Communication is what they say, a lack of communication, meaningful conversation. But most dangerous of all is death. You know, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and that may not be physical death that impatience may lead to, but it's of certain, it is a spiritual death. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, um, 
Now let's start in verse 19 through 21. Talks about the deeds of the flesh being evident, and he starts quoting them. But notice that he talks about here outbursts of anger, jealousy, strife, enmities, disputes, all these things result in a fate of eternal death. Now notice in the previous verse, in the following verses, he then contrasts what the fruit of the Spirit is, the things that combat these works of the flesh. And notice among them, he says, peace and patience. God demands from us patience as a fruit of the Spirit. And as he does, then impatience, the lack thereof, is something we have to repent of. Is it not? Because of the, the works of the flesh, the strife, the enmity, the jealousy, all the, all the things that enrage us and cause us to do things that are prone to bad decisions, these are th- works of the flesh, aren't they? I'd like us to notice there is a remedy. I refuse to believe that people are wired a certain way and cannot be rewired. I refuse when people give the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just a hot-tempered person. I refuse to believe that God created a person where they could not repent of something that is obviously something that is sinful. We may have different personalities, and we do. But we all can change those things that are not pleasing to our God. And a person who has to struggle more with it has has to struggle more. But we all can work towards self-control, because self-control... It's something that all of us can do and work at. The remedy to impatience, of course, is simply put, patience. Defined as long-suffering, dealing with it. The way I can think of it is, uh, ever have an alarm go off on your phone and see other room and you can't get to it and that noise is just driving you nuts? Uh, but there's something that you have to do that's more meaningful, so you take care of it first. Long-suffering. There's a more serious examples than that that small one. Perhaps it's a, an elderly parent who is having dementia and is no longer the person they used to be. And they, they spit out spiteful things, not realizing what they're doing. But you're long-suffering toward them because you know that they're suffering that. You can put up with that because you know it's something that God would be pleased with and you know that not they don't understand what they're doing. Parents, speaking of choking children's necks, how many times did my parents want to choke my neck? Because, like the example of the two-year-old, I stood up and I know I will not listen to you. And yet they did not kill me. They disciplined me because they loved me, but they were long-suffering something that God helps us to to learn because He is our Father. How many times have we, ourselves, needed Him to be long-suffering with us because we were rebellious, hateful, spiteful people? But also, we need to be patient so that we can get knowledge, so we can make good decisions. Wait to see what all the facts are before we make a decision. Proverbs 19 we read talked about waiting to see what, gaining knowledge so that we don't make rash decisions. In the same way we read Proverbs 18 verse 13 said it's a shame to him who who doesn't hear everything before he just jumps in. 
We need to, to listen. What are all the facts before I decided to be enraged and, and jump in? We need to pray to be delivered from anxiety, to be delivered from our patience. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of times the reason why I lose my self-control and I get impatient and I let that anger fester is because have I taken a time to talk to God about it? To, to lay it all on Him? And if I'm being honest, in a lot of situations I haven't taken a time to talk to God about it because if I had talked to God about it, then His words would start to resonate in my mind about, look at me, how many times should I be pa- needed patience from God? Or perhaps some other people have been patient with me. I need to take the time to talk to God about it. To lay my anxiety on Him. If there's something not happening in my life and I feel like it should be happening, and I'm, I'm constantly having a struggle, and I'm waiting for that, I should talk to God about it. Not try to take matters into my own hands. Regarding our dealings with other people, Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Focus for us this afternoon is when we deal with one another, the patience, what are we exhibiting? Love. Love is patient. Love is something, and love is something that must be seen, especially among this gathering here, in the way we treat each other, the way we treat others. We need to be patient with one another, and sometimes we're more patient with outsiders than we are with one another, and that ought not ought to be. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 also speak of how we are to treat one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice the way we're to act toward one another. We are to be forbearing with one another, in love, being gentle, being patient. Why? Two reasons I see in these scriptures. One, because it's a manner that is worthy of the call with which we have been called. We've been called to be like Jesus. That is the way we've been called. And in order to be worthy of that calling, we need to walk in love with patience, forbearance. But also in verse 3, we do it so that we can preserve the unity of the Spirit. We do not want dissensions. We do not want strife. We do not want fights or anger or bitterness. So we're patient with one another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Another reason is because we're grateful to a God who is patient with us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, where he says, And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. Not be patient with the easier to be patient with, but be patient with all men. This is something that takes work, especially when they're impatient with us. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. And I know that he is he just, he's describing someone who is useful to the master, someone who is prepared for every good work. Am I patient when I'm wronged? Or am I quick to jump back in, in defense or anger. Chapter 4, verse 2 tells us that we need to exhort with great patience and instruction. Am I patient when I am exhorting someone with a word? And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes we adopt the take it, take it or you're just wrong and I'm, I'm going to let you stew in it. You don't listen to me now. I'm done with you. Do I exhort with patience and long-suffering? We tend to be... Notice that what is involved, that from all the scriptures we looked at, what is involved with, with being patient with one another. And I hope you've seen that love is, is throughout all these. The motivation of love. We tend to be more patient with the people we love, like that aged parent who is no longer themselves. Or the child who sometimes acts like, like a brat. If you find yourself being impatient with others, and I do, then that means I need to grow in my love toward them. And this will help. I need to love my neighbor as myself, as Jesus told us. And it helps to be selfless. It counters the fear of us missing out. Think of others. If I'm an impatient person and I want to beat this, I need to start thinking of others and less of myself. Because notice, why do I get so impatient? Because I'm the one feeling threatened about my goals, about whatever it is about me. I'm feeling this about myself. It's never, it's not usually thinking about other people's, what, what I'm missing out on or what's threatening me. And second, what about our circumstances? What about our ill treatment? James chapter 5. James chapter 5. He actually addresses this. James gives some scathing uh, remarks toward some of the rich. The ones who'd be dragging some of the brethren, some of the, the famous, dragging some of the brethren into courts. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, 
Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Verse 5, You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have led the life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Now, considering all that, what he just said, now he switches to those who perhaps have been wronged, those who are being persecuted. He says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 10, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And he talks about being patient. God is coming. The judge will be here shortly. You just need to endure. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. It says, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Notice, God is commending a person who endures what is right for the sake of, um, for the sake of His Son. James chapter one verses two through four. James chapter two verses one through four. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Um, or I'm sorry, James chapter one. I'm reading the wrong one. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We know this scripture really well, I would assume. We've heard it quite often, at least in this room. So why is it, whenever something difficult comes in my life, the first thing I do is complain to God that I'm enduring it? Take it away, God. And there's nothing wrong with, with crying out to God for help or for deliverance. But sometimes God allows difficult things to happen to us so that we can learn patience, learn to endure, learn to know, learn to see what is truly inside here in our hearts. Am I someone who really loves God more than I love myself? Am I going to, to endure these things for His sake, or am I going to, to throw it all away because I'm not getting what I want? Sometimes God tests us. We need to be more patient to endure with hardship things with faith. So if my circumstances are poor, if I'm being ill-treated, maybe I need to learn some and to grow in faith toward my God, the one who will judge righteously, the one who won't let all these people get away with how they treat me who won't let the things that I suffer be for naught. You look at what Job suffered. Was it for nothing? Because of what he suffered, one, all the people who witnessed this situation just glorified God. 
And people through countless generations have read his story and have been able to benefit from what happened to him. We need to grow in our, our faith in God's goodness. Grow in our faith towards God's faithfulness with us. God has promised us He will never forsake us. That He will never allow us to go beyond what we can deal with. And if I'm becoming impatient, it's because I don't have a faith in, in that. I don't have a faith in God's goodness or His, His, His dealings with me. And I need to grow in my faith. The two words that I hope you remember from these is faith and love. Love for God and for others and our faith in His, His character and His nature and His promises. We can't overcome the impatience that causes us so much stress, so much heartache. Even I'm, I, I speak for me, I, I, I can and I must. I, I know I myself to be kind of an impatient in a lot of things. But God seeks better from us. Our faith and our love for God and for one another can help us find the peace that is eluding us, the peace of God that the world cannot comprehend. So let us seek control over our spirits. Let us make decisions that are decisive and that are thought out rather than knee-jerk reactions. Because <laughs> either one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to be led by the Spirit, or we're going to be led by Satan in the works of the flesh. Our courage, if anyone is struggling with wanting to be more like Jesus, because this is what it's all about, you're not alone. I think we are all growing and walking on that path to be more like our Lord. And if we can encourage you in any way, those who have put on Christ, we're all here for one another. That's what the body means. It's what it's for. Perhaps you have not put on Christ. But you see that the Lord is worth, worthy of being loved and followed and, and worshipped and thanked for what He has done. He has given His Son Jesus to die for us all so that we might be saved. As Jason spoke in the memorial this morning, he took our place so that we could be saved. And if you have not done that and you would like to put on the Lord, dedicate yourself to one who's truly worthy to be worshipped, then we can make that happen today. And to believe in the Son, to repent of the things that you have done wrong, as we all must, to confess your, your faith in the Lord, and to be buried in water for the remission of sins. And then you walk in a path that we all walk alike. And the Lord will help and strengthen us we all, as we depend on Him. If we can help anyone in any way, please make it known as we stand uh, and we sing.